want to come down to Midlothian. And when you do, you give me a heads up because I want to meet you in person. Oh, you're sweet. Thank you. I want to roll your rolls for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's an offer I can't refuse. I'm sorry. Did she just say I want to roll your rolls for you? Because I didn't get that. And I love that she said that. And that's absolutely the right way to invite a customer to eat. I'd like to roll your rolls. It's Monday, June 22nd, day 3,946 in quarantine. No one's counting. We have Michelle Wilson of Mama Michelle's Cafe in the South Side. And Scott's least strongest muscle, got that right, is his core. Welcome to Eat of Virginia. Hello and welcome to Eat It Virginia. My name is Scott Wise and I'm joined as always by my friend, my friend Roby Martin. Roby, my core is in pain. Okay, so I want to talk about this. Like for real, I want to talk about this because like right now, honestly, Scott, everything about me wants to go to a hot yoga class. Like I want to so badly climb into a room with 25 people I barely know and pour buckets of sweat onto a yoga mat so I smell like the inside of a tennis shoe. Wow. That's a lot of detail. <laughs> yeah, I'm just telling you. It's like my life and I love it. That's, that's gorgeous. Yeah, it's just very sexy. Um, But my anxiety is so much so that crawling into the inside of a tennis shoe in order to get exercise right right like gives me heart well, palpitations i hear you i hear you so just to back up and to let everybody know what we're talking about um, today my sister in law wait you mean they don't understand what our conversation is about i, I don't right think now? so because you know <laughs> i just hit record in the middle of it so anyway my sister in law god bless her laura the lovely laura by the way, who he was like, I've got to meet someone. And I thought it was a date and it wasn't. It was his sister-in-law. But keep don't, tell my, don't tell my brother. Shh. Oh, um, sh- yeah, no. She, um, for Father's Day, she decided to uh, give me a gift of a class at Solid Core at Libby Mill. Just and one I, class? Well, introductory class. You know, it's like $1,000 or whatever it costs. You know, you know how those gyms are. No, but, I don't. Uh, wow, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. So I, don't know how, I don't know how I'm talking to you right now. Pardon? Is it all about your core? Sure. I don't know. Like, so all these classes, I mean, I'm an Orange Theory devotee and I've been going to Orange Theory for two years. What are those splat points? I don't know. Just splat points. I've been going to Orange Theory for two years. That's how many cinnamon rolls you can eat because that would be the points that I would like. Shout out to Orange Theory. Um, But I put my membership on pause, obviously, because of the, they were closed, obviously, for a while. And then I put my membership on pause. So this was kind of like an out of nowhere, spur of the moment let's just do this kind of situation on this Father's Day Sunday. And mind here, your sister-in-law is like, hey, their brother-in-law, yeah. I would like you to come work out with me. Yeah, pretty much. So she, I mean, she mentioned, it a couple days at Libby Mill. mentioned it a couple days ago and you know, she's hardcore into these things. She belongs to a few different gyms. So she's always talking about the places that she goes. Anyway, I mean, I'm sure you've been to a place like this. Orange Theory is like this. Solid Core is like this. Cycle Bar is like this. You walk in, and um, it's very dark. Are there snacks? There's no. Well, there weren't any snacks. I don't know if there's normally snacks. They're, they're still doing their their COVID right. stuff. I don't know what a normal situation is like, but very dark. Very, and then they have like you know, so, so Orange Theory is like orange lights. This place is blue lights. I think Cycle Bar is red lights. 
and it's like this pulsating music the whole time. I'm an old man, Roby. I'm an old man. So, so it's like you're in a Forever 21, but with exercise. It seems like it. And then there's uh, usually um, a younger person yelling at me. Forever 21, I got you. A younger person like, yelling at me. Like I'm, supposed to know, I'm like, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And they're just, the, the instructions are fast and furious. Um, it took me a while at Orange Theory. What are some of the instructions? I don't, know, I, don't I don't even know. It's like, <laughs> it's like an auctioneer. But instead of like buying something cool, they are just kicking your ass. <laughs> and I'm in pain. I love the experience. I'm not sure I'm going to go back, but we'll see. Is it your core that's in pain or is it just a full body malaise? I mean, I was, so I haven't really been working out during the quarantine. I've been going for walks, which they say is just as good as working out. It's not, it's not, it's yeah, not as good. Not, you're now it's nine totally different situation. And I was, I mean, I was taking, uh, it, my core is in pain. My core is in pain. Yeah. So how many calories do you think you burnt? Enough for a cinema? All of them. <laughs> All of them. I have no more calories left. I'm going to wait till tomorrow. I think it replenishes at midnight, right? That's how it works. Uh, yeah. I, the clicker at midnight, it resets and you burn them again. Yep. That's a fairy tale. A couple of days ago, Scott. So, so anyway, I got asked to be on another podcast. Um, also, they want me to be on the Oh, I heard about that. And, um, you know, we have, we have some issues to talk about. It'll be fun. Um, so when I asked to be on a podcast... I'm, I'm going to try and be on the radio once every two weeks. Are these humble brags? Wait, is this a humble no. brag? No, no, no. These are just like things in case you want to hear my voice more, which you don't. I know. Gotcha. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. So the one of our podcasts that really seems to have resonated with people are the ones where you and I, funny that we talked about the solid core thing beforehand, but ones where you and I talk about body image because we spend so much time eating. We do. So what, who, what, which podcast will you be appearing on? Integrity Nachos. Ooh. Yeah, you the chip cast. It's the capital chips. Oh, it's yeah. I, yeah I keep calling it a chip cast. I don't think she loves the fact that I call it a chip cast. But I get really excited whenever she's like, do you want to be on the chip cast? She doesn't say that, but I say that. So she is wants to hear more or actually – her, Nicole, Donna, like multiple comments we get on Instagram, want to talk or want to know more about us and our bodies. Is that weird to say out loud? Because that just felt weird, just by the way. Um, how are you feeling right now other than your core is in pain after yeah. solid core? Um, that's a great question. So uh, I am not feeling great. Um, yeah. I uh, – I, for, so for those of you who don't know, I had like a family, a big family, like, um, celebration in March. So starting in January, I decided to cut carbs and I dropped about 20 pounds really fast. It, I hate cutting carbs, but it's like the most effective thing for me to do to lose weight quickly. I want to look good in some family pictures. So that was accomplished. And then the week after this family get together happened is when the shutdown happened. And then everything that was within a three foot radius of my face went into my mouth and in my stomach. And I think I gained pretty much those 20 pounds back in about two weeks, um, which is unfortunate. But the, I mean, for me, those carb diets don't really, they're very effective in the short term. It's not sustainable for me. And I lost my orange theory workouts. Um, so that, that whole calorie burning you know, machine that I had going went away um, so I would say for most of the, the second half of March, uh, almost all of April, 
um, I was in a pretty rough spot in terms of like what I was eating and how I was feeling, um, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically. I mean, we all have, we've all been through this kind of mess together. So we're all, I'm sure many people listening now kind of have the similar feelings about that. Um, so I think it was, what is it now? It's middle of June. All right. So I guess like in maybe mid May, I decided to make more of an effort to watch what I was eating again and to, to walk, go for walks. Um, I mean, I would, I had been going for walks with the kids around the neighborhood, but it's a really like five mile walks, six, I did a seven mile walk this past weekend. It's my longest so far. Um, how long did that take you? Two hours. That's a good amount. Two a hours. Good You're in a good clip. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really running. And again, the solid court today <laughs> was a totally different, you know, ball game than what I've been doing. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, trying not to eat when you're bored and trying not to just eat compulsively. Like that's my big thing. Like I'll sit on the couch and, and I'll have a thing of Ben and Jerry's and I just, I have to finish the whole pint. I can't just have four or five bites. Like, I don't know. It's like my mentally, like my brain just works that way. It's like I, I order a pizza and it's, I, I need to eat the pizza. I can't have two slices and put the rest in the fridge. So, um, I don't know. I, that's, that's kind of where I am right now. And for me, like out of sight, out of mind, like if it's not in the house, I'm pretty good. And I, I just, I, 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 I forage around the cupboard and the, the, the fridge. But, um, you know, when the kids are with me, I'm, I'm in a co-parenting situation. So when the kids are with me, I buy a lot of junk food for them or just snacks. And so when they, when they leave and there's uneaten, you know, Doritos or there's uneaten goldfish, uh, they don't last very long once the kids leave. They're, it's like they're, that first weekend they're gone, so are the snacks. How about you? Where, where, are, you, uh, where are you these days? So the funny thing is I'm not really, which you is weird. I mean, I, if anything gets made or cooked in this house, it's, it's me because I'm, I'm in a co-parenting situation <laughs> too. <laughs> Your child is much bigger than my children. Yes. And he, God love him, but he's, he's I call him chef Boyardee because that's about as much as he as the extent of that goes the where I have found so I actually never thought that I was like super excited about being in a crowded room as I was telling you with a bunch of individuals pouring sweat but it has it, it has shown me how dependent I was on that 60 minutes not only to get out of my head but like to exercise my body or excise my body of like whatever nastiness was in it. And where I am struggling is I bet you, and this is, I, this sounds terrible, but I bet you, I, I am drinking so many cocktails now. I'm over cocktailing. So where you're eating a pile of Doritos, know that I've had an extra martini. All right. Which makes me feel like an alcoholic, which is fine, because, I mean, I'm sure everybody's probably feeling pretty close to that right now. But I honestly don't – I'm pretty sure that ABC is being kept open because of me. Like, me, me specifically. Let's just not even talk about Ryan, who you could just – I mean, just the oceans of alcohol that he's putting down. Let's just talk about the river <laughs> that I am, like, consuming – that I don't know after this whole situation. Do you think I'm, and I, this is not a joke. Like, I think that I'm going to need some sort of intervention. Really? Is that bad? Well, I don't know if it's that bad, but I will say this. Like, 
yesterday I probably had and I love a Cosmo and we we're doing the Ina Garden Cosmo so you know it's pretty much just like vodka and a sniff of cranberry I mean like a whiff of cranberry so it's just like straight vodka and lime so like I had two of those and was like a toppling over and then Friday night I had three and a half glasses of wine and you've been you know me I'm like the lightest weight of lightweight so that's pretty much just crazy crashed Thursday I was like no drinks zero drinks and then, then I, yeah good I didn't drink anything but like then I want cookies which I feel like is the sign of like somebody who's maybe having too much to drink if you're having sh if you're feeling the need for sugar yeah, you know, we're all just in a weird, I mean, the world's in a weird space. Richmond's in a weird space. We're in a weird space. And I think you have to cut yourself some slack, but you're right, because we don't know when we're not going to be in this weird space anymore. I'm pretty sure I won't have a liver left. So wherever we get out of this weird we go. problem solved, we're going to have to talk. We're going to die. That's great. All right. Kidneys or something, because like, I'm telling you, you are going to need to run a 10 minute mile. I'm going to need your kidney. Like that's how this whole thing is going to happen. Like, um, it's, it's a lot. No. So there's my body image problems right now. But I really think, I, I feel like all of this marination I'm doing is making my forehead look less wrinkled. The what you're doing? I, I call it marinating because, you know, you know, when you, 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 you marinate meat and alcohol and it breaks down. The, the, no, no, you don't. What are you doing to your face? I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm marinating it in alcohol and it's breaking oh, down. Oh, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> is that not a thing? I thought it was like a skincare regime you were doing. It is. It's just a different type of one. It's called vodka. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oof. So speaking of calories, yeah, um, I don't know. You have not been to Mama Michelle's. I am in love with Michelle Wilson. Ah, me too. Is it sad that I'd like to just just squish her? We had a over. Friday night date, Roby and I, with Michelle Wilson. We had a, a happy hour date this past Friday night where we, we each poured ourselves our drinks over Zoom. And we had about a 90-minute just rap session, just a, 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 great, a great conversation with, she with Michelle, who owns Mama Michelle's Cafe and Catering. Uh, on Midlo uh, on Hull Street in Midlothian. She she really got into your roles. <laughs> you know that part that part didn't make the podcast, but I'm gonna have to. Maybe I'll put it on our social media account so people can 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 laugh with us on that one. That was pretty funny. Oh, uh, so okay, so we laugh. I cry. You laugh some more, and she she tells us about soul roles. So I'm kind of excited, Scott. I, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this cute little cafe that is in the South Side. So it's Michelle Wilson, but she, I think she's known, and we're going to ask her, I think she's known as Ma Michelle. Ma Michelle, and yes. And she's like the home of the soul role. <laughs> if you've soul. never been, yeah, if you've never been. That sounds dangerous. It's, it's ah. like eat, eat a thousand of them and, and roll home, <laughs> I think is what it is. <laughs> Michelle Wilson, what, what is a soul roll? Please enlighten me. Okay, so a soul roll. Now, lots of people do it, and, 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 and I think that we do it in a unique and special way. So a soul roll basically is an egg roll filled 
with some of our delicious sides that we serve on the regular. We, we scratch cook and we have uh, sides. So we have a collard green sole roll. So if you like collard greens and you like egg rolls, this is a match made in heaven. And it is our collard greens with smoked turkey. We put Parmesan cheese. Okay, listen very carefully. It might hurt you now. I'm drooling. We roll, <laughs> we roll it, we deep fry it. We pull it up and with our special sweet heat sauce, we drizzle it with our sweet heat sauce, uh, top it with a little bit more uh, Parmesan cheese, and we let you go at it. We also have a macaroni and cheese, four cheese macaroni and cheese uh, roll, and we have our deep fried sweet potato pie roll. Shh. Yes. Okay. All right. I have been to your restaurant, and this was not on the menu because I, I know. I know. Sweet potato pie. So this must be new. It's new. It's new. Actually, it has always been around. I didn't put it on the menu. Um, I don't know why my staff said that I was crazy not to. So um, they beat me over the head and tied me up. So I was forced to do it. And and it's uh, rolling right out the door. Our sweet potato roll. We put our, our sweet potatoes and deep fry it. And we top it with caramel and uh, walnuts and powdered sugar. Now, Michelle, so this is typically, oh no, here he goes. This is typically where Scott rewinds the conversation so he can talk to you about your background. Is that where you're been, going, Scott? We've been doing this too much together, Ruby. I was going to say, Michelle, <laughs> but I, am, I do want to hear all about your story and how, and how you came to open the restaurant. But first, I want to continue the conversation about food a little bit longer because my coworker, Vernon, who sits across from me at Channel 6 when we were both allowed to be there, uh, he, he visited your restaurant earlier this year when, when you guys were fully open before, uh, before COVID hit. And so I sent him Just a, so you know, he asked me and I sent him. I don't want any, anybody to get this twisted. Sorry. Yeah. I went to that restaurant, had the best service I've had in a very long time at a restaurant, ate some of the best food, and then Vernon was like, should I go? And I was like, you march your happy little booty down to the south side and get some food. So I asked Vernon, I said, Vernon, uh, I'm going to interview Michelle in a little bit. And I know you went to her restaurant and loved it. What, what did you love to eat there? And he sent me back a, a smiley face emoji. And I was like, what does that mean? And he said, everything I ordered was incredible. So I asked him oh. what he ordered. And he said, the wings, the fried fish, the mac and cheese, and the collard green egg rolls. And I said, I said, did you mean collard greens and egg rolls? And he said, no, 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 collard green egg rolls. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you explained what that was to us. Cause yeah, yes, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that he enjoyed it. You know, I always brace myself like, what? No, no. <laughs> 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 all right, she gave so, quite an intro to that. She gave quite an intro to that. I didn't know where it was going. I was like, no, what? no, it's all, we're, we're all about love here on this podcast. All about love. Uh, I so feel it. So tell us a little bit about, uh, about you, Michelle. Who, who are you exactly? Ooh, okay. Um, well, I, I was born and raised in Philadelphia, and my mother uh, was born and raised in North Carolina. My grandmother uh, was born in Petersburg City at that time in 1901. And so there's the beginning of my roots, my southern roots and my northern roots. And I moved down here after attending Indiana, Pennsylvania, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. and um, came down south and what an awakening it was different it was fun it was exciting um what do you, what was, do you mean by different what, what was what was different about it in your uh, the culture your is very different the culture is very different yeah very different and you know trying to get acclimated to the culture to the people um and trying to find my way you know i just got out of college and i was trying to find my way figure out what i wanted to do with my life had you visited your grandmother uh in petersburg 
when you were well, actually, up? my grandmother had. She was born in Petersburg, but she, I I've known her in Philadelphia. They all we all wow. lived in Philadelphia together before wow. she passed away. And so, um, I and and a, and a funny funny story is that when I moved down um south down to Richmond, I actually moved to Petersburg first, not knowing that she was a, uh, born there. What? All of my siblings moved to Petersburg not knowing that my grandmother was origin originally born in Petersburg until I started doing the Ancestry.com thing and found out that she was actually born in Petersburg. I was like, what is the, what are the odds? And so I found her, interesting enough, here in, in uh, Richmond, in Petersburg. How long was she in Petersburg before she moved north? From what I understand, she was in Petersburg till she was about 17. So a pretty long and, time. Yeah. And so it is, it is, um, it, it, she may have been born on Pocahontas Island, actually, or lived on Pocahontas Island. Um, so I'm still doing research to find out uh, exactly where, you know, how her life was when she was a young girl, where she came from, how she grew up to, to kind of shed some light on, uh, you know, where I am today. She was uh, a, a marvelous cook, a wonderful homekeeper, very stylish, very she was amazing. She was, what was amazing. Her name? And I, I watched her when I grew up and I just wanted to emulate her. <laughs> what was her name? Her name is Evelyn. Oh, that was my grandmother's name. Yes, and that's my middle name. See there? See there? I love that name. name. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I feel um, like you brought some of her style. Uh, if you could see Michelle right now, she has these gorgeous earrings. They look like maybe bone. I don't know. They're very attractive. They're actually um, wood and African. Um, African print material that was made by Nakia Cherie, um, who is a local uh, author, entrepreneur, jewelry maker, all around fantastic person. Um, and so she styled these earrings and I try to support every time. I love her stuff. I wear it as, as often as I can. This is actually a really good segue, Michelle, because I feel like that you, even though you're kind of tucked back in there, your entire persona is keeping it local you have local artists in your restaurant yes. you yes. during the pandemic have served local children um Absolutely. tell me a little bit about like a your artist in residence and b the your decision to decide to serve local children during this whole COVID-19 crisis Okay, I gotta tell you, um, the one thing that I've, I've learned and I'm learning about myself as I, you know, I am the end of the baby boomer generation and, and you never stop learning. And one of the things that I've learned about myself is that I am and have always been tied to community, no matter which community I lived in. And food was definitely a big part of that, of that introduction to the community. And so coming from Philadelphia and not really having roots myself here, other than my grandmother, you know, I had, to, there were some proving grounds to be made. And um, what better way to introduce myself, but to get into the community and they helped shape really how Mom Michelle has come about. They really helped identify what I was thinking, what I was feeling and what I tried to portray. And so it was almost uh, a marriage of sorts when I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about doing that. And innocently enough, I had no idea that there was no urban feel really in Chesterfield County. 
And I was like, well, I was kind of, it was kind of different. And so it was a welcoming uh, change. And I think it was an easy migration. I think it was an easy transition for people to come in and say, hey, we've never done this out here. Let's, let's get this together. And I championed it. I champion, I champion uh, folks that are trying to find their way, get new starting ground, need a place to jump off or a soft place to land. And I, I like to be known as that. I work hard for that. So you said the community has been has been receptive to to very that? receptive, and a lot of the um, city dwellers are the ones that have really uh, come through with their art, with their um, uh, their micro businesses. I try to help support those businesses. I'm I mentor. You know, there's there's I've been given a lot. I give a lot is the motto basically, and I don't and I don't want to sound like I just fly by the seat of my pants when I say this. I don't put a whole lot of calculating thought into helping the community. Um, I'm motivated by how I feel with regard to that. And so it's, a, it's easy to do. You know, it's, if, if it's in you, it's easy to do. Is that something that you learned from your mom and your grandmother? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you say that because I'm looking at a candy dish that um, on my table that I grew up with when I was a kid. And my mother always had candy in it. And anytime you come to the house, you were welcome to take candy when you left. Or she always gave you a gift, always gave you something, if, if not a good word. And so I grew up understanding the idea of, of gift giving and of giving of yourself. I, I, I grew up like that. So it, it's nothing for me to invite you in and, and love you with food and send you on your way. <laughs> So I was in your restaurant maybe uh, six months ago. Um, mm -hmm. You were in the middle of a tiny renovation, which was absolutely adorable. Um, <laughs> and they have, this is like, and I realize this sounds platitudinal, but I just want to talk about how her, um, I don't have any calculating thought, trans, like actually translates to her restaurant. She had moved all of her soda slash seltzer water slash everything to face out at the restaurant. So you as a guest can get your own refills. Like there is no like bring it. You'll get to get what you'd like to have. And I mm -hmm. think that that while at the baseline, I mean, obviously soft drinks are the baseline of, but like that, like is a very, very, it just defines what you just said because you just put it all out there and just give. Tell me about this lunch thing. I want to hear a little bit more about what, how you got involved and who you were serving and if that's still happening. Okay. And so there's, there were two different events there. Um, I started right after um, we were told to, you know, shut down and follow CDC guidelines. And people were losing their jobs, and it was just such a scary time. It still is, you know. But the onset of this was such a, a bizarre thing, and I didn't know what to do. But I understood that I, had a, I have a teenager at home, so school is let out. You have parents at home looking at kids like, what? You want me to do what with you all day now, you know, and, and trying to, to, to carry on some, some normalcy in an un, 
normal situation. And all I could think to do was, well, let's feed the kids. That'll help take the pressure off the parents. So if you come, if you call in, then we'll give you a, a kid's meal. Well, then we did that for a week and I realized, you know, there's more than one kid in the house normally, chances are. So why don't we give, for each entree, we give out two kids meals. And if they only have one kid, they can bless somebody else with it. You know, maybe their neighbor or something like that and bless them with a meal to help feed another family. So it was more or less like a pay it forward, you know, and I, I ran it for a month. And, uh, and then after that, a nonprofit organization reached out and asked if we would um, help feed families that were um, food insecure, as they say. And so I, I jumped at the chance of that. I get so excited doing stuff like that. It's a, I, I feel honored when I'm asked. And I get so excited down in my bones. I'm like, oh, my God, yes. And so I jumped at the chance to help those families out. And, um, you know, it comes natural. It comes natural. So those were the two events that we had. Um, and then, you know, of course, trying to stay afloat and keep our doors open, we had to concentrate on making sure that we can, you know, stay open as well as, you know, we ran into the challenges of, of find, finding food, finding employees, <laughs> finding your <laughs> vendors. <laughs> we were like, what in the world? So whereas we, we muddled through uh, the beginning of this, now we're, we're getting hit. I'm experiencing are you, that. Are you comfortable talking about what that looks like for you right now? Like Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're doing okay in, in terms of people supporting our community. That's one piece. The other piece is the back end. And our vendors are struggling to get uh, items in in a timely manner and at a price that's affordable so that we don't have to pass that, that increase on to our customers. So, for instance, um, we have a mean uh, meatloaf that we make. People love it. Uh, on Sundays, they get mad if we don't have it. <laughs> the price of beef went up, I believe, 32 33%. That is a huge increase. So, to, to tell you what that looks like, 10 pounds of ground beef or ground sirloin was about $22. Now it's closer to 75 to $80. So if you can imagine trying to pass that on to our customer uh, and trying to afford it ourselves, trying to make sure that we have it in stock, keep it in stock and, and turn it out. So what I elected to do for a time being is I suspended it um, every day. So you can get it now just on Sundays. And hopefully the price will come down where we can go ahead and, and put it back on the menu. And it will. But those are some of the decisions that, that, that we have to make all of us are out here trying to make certain decisions and and sometimes we hit it right on the head sometimes i gotta walk it back and go well now that wasn't the right thing to do we might have to you know <laughs> turn around and do something else but and during these times every day i wake up with the challenge of okay how are we going to manage today do we extend our hours do we go back to regular hours do we maintain our hours? You don't want to operate in the red too long. You want to kind of stay in the black as well as you can. You know, all of those, those, those things that you have to think about, keeping the morale up with your employees, you know, it's a lot. And so those things, you know, our employees are going through this with us every day. And with, with other restaurants closing down, they kind of look at me. Sometimes they'll come in at the beginning of the week and look at me like how we look. I'm, 
we're good. <laughs> Don't worry. We got it. We got another weekend. And so, you know, it, it's literally a day by day thing. Oh, man. And you have some long-term employees, though. I think the individual that waited on us had been there for quite some time. It seems like you yes. curated kind of a family there. Um, they're, the, they're the best investment I've ever made. And I pay attention to that first. And, you know, it, it, it may sound cliche-ish, but if you're smart and you want to be successful, then you need to take care of the people that are taking care of you. And that's not necessarily always the customer first. It's your employees first. And with my being a small minority business, I can't compete with larger businesses and what they can offer their employees. So, you know, you damn well better be nice to them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, I wish we could put that on a, on a, um, like a banner, Scott. <laughs> you damn well better be nice to them. Fly it over the city of Richmond. This um, damn well better be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So Michelle, Michelle, how long has your restaurant been open in Chester? In we're in our fifth year. Fifth year, and you said you're a you said you're a baby boomer or the, on the late end of the baby boomer. Yeah. So, so what were you doing in the years between University of Indiana, Pennsylvania, and 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 five years ago when you opened up your restaurant? Oh. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> really? I don't understand that sound. <laughs> I don't know you like that, Scott. I don't know you like that. I don't know you like that, Scott. That's what she just said. Michelle, how were the 80s for you? Uh, me, with Michael Jackson and the, and the parachute pants and MC Hammer and Sheila E. Oh, my goodness. And what else? Well, who else did I love in the 80s? The Eagles? Come on now. I had a ball. Nobody was watching. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Where were you in the 80s? What were you doing? Okay, so in the 80s, I had, well, I graduated high school in 1980, actually, and then um, went to school, went to college a little early in, uh, in 1980. <laughs> they shipped me straight off. <laughs> and um, I was at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. So, okay, so the first campus that I went to, all right, now, just get a visual on this. Wait, I would like everybody to know that we have her laughing so hard she just likes to tear <laughs> from her eye. Yes. I just want to go, nobody can see this, but there was a little tear <laughs> wipe. I saw it. Is the yes. University of Indiana, Pennsylvania in Indiana or is it in Pennsylvania? Hell no. Is it Indiana, Pennsylvania? So the city is Indiana and the state uh, is Pennsylvania. Yes. Got it. In Pennsylvania. And, and the auxiliary campus is the first campus I went to, and it was Punxsutawney. Pennsylvania. The groundhog. Yes, let, the I groundhog. was going to sit there for a minute. Yes. So imagine, well, you don't know me, but imagine me and, and, and Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania did not mesh well. No. Oh. No, oh. I, it, was, it was not an integrated place. I, let okay. me just say that. <laughs> so was it hostile or just uncomfortable? It was, um, <laughs> they made me hostile, but they, it was, it was, it was, a little bit of both. It was hostile, it was a right? Bit, you can say yeah, it. It was, it was a little bit of both. You know, they were not, uh, they, you know, they looked at me as if to say, who let her in, you know? And, and Your neighborhood in, in, in Philadelphia was an all-black neighborhood? Was it a... It was a, it was a, it was a, all, it transitioned to an all-black neighborhood. It was, prim, it was Jewish um, in that area. And then, you know, when, you know what happens when blacks move in, you know, the 
great migration starts. And so the Jewish folks, you know, moved out, but they were, they were great. I remember Henry, Sarah, and Ida, they were the greatest. Uh, they live right across the street and, and they stuck it out though. They, they were like, we're down. So they stuck it out until they passed away. <laughs> so that's how I Good old Henry. They're like, we're staying. Good yeah. old Henry. All right, so Indiana, Pennsylvania, Puxitani. That's a mouthful. That, uh, not yes. the best experience, but then you moved to no. the main campus. Wait, I want to hear about the experience, because these oh. are things that we should know, Scott. Like, I think in 1980, or 81 as it was, probably Indiana, Pennsylvania was, I think probably those years were not the easiest, correct, Michelle? That, that during that time was not the easiest. I was born in 62. And if we want to talk about the, that, 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 that time, you know, I had parents. Um, my parents were a little bit older. They were 36 when they had me. And so they were born in 27, if you could imagine. And, and there, the social unrest in their coming up and the social unrest that I, that I experienced coming up, Although it was at different times, it, it, it mirrored one another. And I remember my, my parents being so concerned about us when we left the house. There were five of us. And they were so concerned about us getting home okay. And so concerned to a point where it almost governed how we moved around the house even. And I remember thinking when I, looked, when I would go to school and all the white kids seemed to be so relaxed and so he he and so it was just so and I would look at them and say I wonder how that feels you know I wonder how that feels because I always had to watch what I say I always had to make sure I was neat and pressed and clean I always had to make sure you know because I was raised by parents that experienced some things um in their lives you know and and they came and 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 instilled those things in me you know and I think their way of trying to give me a better life, they thought was to put me in all white schools. And it was, it was not good. <laughs> it was not good. Um, and this time that we're in right now, I was telling someone the other day that it has unearthed so much of what I went through 30, 40 years ago. It's amazing what I buried and, and what you had to bury just to, to move along in your life, you know, um, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and conversations need to be had, you know, these stories need to be told and, you know, everybody needs to understand, but it was tough. It was tough. What, what my parents thought was the right thing for me, what, what ended up not being the right thing for me. And, um, and I missed out on a lot of good opportunities being, in my culture and within my culture and experiencing some of the uplift that our culture has. We are, we are great folk. We actually are, you know? <laughs> so, you know, um, it, it, these times really have, uh, it's, it's amazing. I, t I, I laugh, I cry, I, I, I th throw my fist up, I throw something, you know, it's just, it's crazy right now. It's crazy. Are Hopefully it'll be worth it. Hmm? Are you able to explain, you sort of just did, but are you able to explain some of the, the feelings that, that had been buried for decades that, are, that you said are starting to manifest as you sure. see happening in our community? Sure. Um, all, you know, 
the feeling and 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 it's even more so being a black woman you know the feeling of of how how can i say the feeling of um not measuring up no matter what you did no matter how intelligent you was no matter how high your gpa was no matter what zip code you lived in no matter what you always felt that there was always something that you were supposed to do better and unfortunately it that message lived within our culture and and so we were told growing up you got to do it 10 times better you know than your white counterpart in order to be recognized that's exhausting that's exhausting mentally spiritually exhausting and, and especially when you were already okay and so to 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 have to reckon with that and and push it down in order to to have life to live life and not be broken <laughs> you had to bury some of that or you had to deal with it one or the other in my opinion and this is my opinion and i you know i realized that i buried a lot of that i buried a lot of it and and i don't want my children i try to make sure that I talk to them in a different way than my parents talked to me. I let them express themselves. I let them, I, I put them on most high because they are. And, and I don't want them to feel that they don't measure up, you know, because they do, they were already okay. You said you have a teenager at home. How yes, Lord. are you speaking? I mean, as a female, I'll tell you what you just said really hurts me because <laughs> we like it's to true. lift other people up but yes. how are you talking to your teenager sweetie I, I i am most honest with him i'm most honest with her and i let them know that they can pick this up and run further and better than i did because i want them to have you know they have the internet now they have a large uh, they're their world is large but small, if that makes sense. And they can get to things quicker. And I want them to understand that that they are amazing. And that's not because I say so. It's because they actually are. They actually are. And I'm not going to have them burdened with the prejudice and racial mess and and the virus of 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 bigotry instilled in them I, I refuse and now if that leaves them unguarded i hope to god that it doesn't but i don't want them living in fear of being of being now of course you know i have to have that talk with them because realistically we're living in a world that hates us you know and so i have to give him the talk i have to let him know how to how to move about when he's out of the neighborhood, how to move about when he's in a crowd of kids that he doesn't really know. You know, I have to have that talk with him. We have, the black moms have to have that talk. And, you know, it's, 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 it's something else. I, I did a um, podcast uh, with someone else and it was interesting. There was, um, there were things that were, said about the coronavirus and how it was um, affecting blacks at a higher rate than any other um, race, right? And one of the things that the woman said was that 
it's interesting how how it's tied to our diet. It's interesting how it's tied to our lifestyle. But no one ever thought about, excuse me, no one ever thought about the fact that it's the stress that we're under trying to live every day. It's the stress that we're under moving about every day. And these stories out here are real. And systemic racism is real. I, you know, and <laughs> some conversations have to be had. It, ha it has to be. And we can't be afraid to talk, you know? We can't I think there's a direct correlation between the stress that you guys are facing and the way the pandemic is affecting you. I completely agree. I think that yeah. stress is a huge thing. And I think that the amount of stress that you as an individual are under totally affects your health. Absolutely. Sure it does, you know. And then, and then to carve out some happiness and to, to carve out a healthy mind and to carve out a healthy relationship with people and to have healthy marriages and healthy children. On top of all of that, come on now. <laughs> you know, it's a, I tell you, it's not for the faint. It's not for the faint. <laughs> it, it, is it, is, it is definitely not for the faint. So when you're sending your teenager out into the world, and I am, if I'm incorrect asking these questions, please <clears throat> let me know. What sure. are you telling him? I'm telling him um, <laughs> that if he's with a crowd, that he needs to, to make sure he's with people that he knows and trusts. If he's not with people that he knows and trusts, and they're not behaving in a manner that, that's suitable for him, he needs to move away from that crowd immediately. Okay? Because he can get caught up in something that he didn't do behind something that someone else did. And, you know, all the kids are wearing the same styles. They're, you know, you know, they're all skinny, you know, <laughs> they're all, yeah, you know, they're, and, and so. Wait, 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 he's eating at your restaurant and he's still skinny? Good for him. It's amazing. It's amazing. He eats, he eats like a, ugh, I need help. <laughs> Somebody save me. He eats like a. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't, you know, I was like, he has no other place. If I left your restaurant, I would be up 10 pounds, I think, in one night if I, if I left your restaurant. I, but yeah, I, I'm I would that sacrifice is. that. I want you to know. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't take, do it. But. I would sacrifice it for, I would 100% sacrifice those 10 pounds to eat at a restaurant <laughs> every night. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I, I also have to tell him if he's approached by the police, how, how he, the, you know, how he has to, to behave and, you know, and, and hope that he gets out. You know, when this, when <laughs> this pandemic started and they were out of school, I wouldn't let him go nowhere. I'm understanding that we were, you know, quarantined, but even when he wanted to go to the store, I was like, I'll take you. He's like, but it's just fine. I said, I'll take you. You know, um, when the protesting starts, I'm like, just stay locked up. I'm, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're locked down, dude. You know, got him a basketball hoop, put it outside, let his friends come, you know, trying to, trying not to scare him, but I was panicking. How closely are you following what's happening in, in the city of Richmond uh, in terms of the protests on a daily or a weekly basis? Um, no, I have to shut it off a little bit, but I do make sure that I understand what's going on at least every other day. Yeah. Yeah, because I have a business to run to, you know, so sure. it's kind of hard to, um, to stay glued in and, 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 you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't like some of the stuff I'm hearing. I got to turn it off. I got to turn it off. You know? So what are some of the things that you don't like hearing? 
I know that's a hard question, and I and I know that that comes from like super serious white privilege. But I'm asking that for, and I get that I'm asking you to do the work well, for I'm, me. I'm but. so glad you admitted that. That's so sweet. No, <laughs> but what is? I tell you, I don't like. I don't understand. I don't understand how anyone in America can cannot want equality for Americans. I can't understand the fight. I can't understand people opposing, lying, or simply ignoring systemic racism. I don't understand. And so therefore, you don't see me. You don't see what we're going through. Um, and and we're, we're all the backbones of this country. Just turn around and take a look because it doesn't affect you in certain ways doesn't mean it does not exist and it doesn't mean that it's not hurting eventually you and your family and 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 the fiber of the community you know it it it's it's a virus it's a virus and i i i get so upset when people are fighting and fussing about People who are peacefully protesting for change. How can you not want change? How can you not? Because I'm sure that for those who people are privileged, it's affecting them as well. You know, in the in the workplace, you know, when you're out socializing, I notice that people don't know what to say now. They don't know what to say to each other. They either overly polite or they just breeze past you and wish you weren't there <laughs> you know it's just amazing so you know what do you do so i can't i can't take all of it all the time i can't do it 24 hours a day <laughs> what are the conversations in your restaurant like have you guys reopened for customers yet are you still doing takeout or we're still doing takeouts but there's a lot of conversation going on people are uh very vocal about what's going on here in Richmond, what's going on around the world. Can you imagine? This is not some local thing. This is worldwide. Worldwide, people in other countries want change for us. And, and for themselves, of course. And those conversations are kind of deep and they're kind of hard. You know, I've had people come in and cry over the words that were coming out of their own mouths and, and how do we, how do we talk to each other? And are we ready for this change? And when, we, and when it happens, how many people are going to die behind it? And why does anyone have to? The hatred is, is overwhelming. I, and, and I, I would like to ask the question, why are we so hated? Why are we so hated? What, what is it that that makes it okay? How does it benefit anyone's life to hate someone else and can't even explain why? Why not try to learn and understand? You know? And it's not like we all got to get together and sing Kumbaya. That's just how it sounded. That's my second last one. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking you know, a sip too. I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do it. Yeah, let's let's all sip to the call. But, yeah, cheers. But <laughs> I'm a, I'm a terrible singer, so you don't want me to sing Kumbaya. Don't, don't do it. 
you know, and I, and I try to keep it, I try not keep it like, I try to tell the truth, but I'm not an angry person by nature. I'm not an angry person. I am concerned. I can get uptight and I do tell the truth. And, and what I see is that a lot, that a lot, a, the fight, the, the, the white people that are fighting to keep things the same. Ooh, it's, it, they, they, it's, it's scary. It's scary to look at them at, because they can't say it. They can't say it. They'll hide behind a flag. They'll hide behind a, a gun. They'll hide behind another person, you know, but they won't, or they'll hide behind this unreasonable anger that they can't even source it. They just hate to hate. And that's, those are dangerous people. And, any, and, and then when you have, in my opinion, a leader who is kind of egging that on a little bit, not really, not really, uh, you know, hey, it's okay, you know, stoking the flame a little bit. It makes for social unrest. And I think people are responding to that. So there's a couple of things going on. And, and, and it's not even, I don't want to make it political, but when there's, there's certain things going on and, and, and there's a ripple effect, you know, you have COVID-19 people locked up, people dying, our whole way of life had changed on a dime. And, and now this, and we feel empty. People feel empty. I'm sure that maybe that, that might be a feeling you even come across feeling a little empty, a little dismayed, a little like what the, you know? And so from that comes anger, concern, you know, a whole litany of, of emotions and feelings and people are feeling it. People are feeling it. And then all of a sudden, I don't even know <laughs> the mask thing. I don't even know how that became a political issue. Sweetheart, COVID is going to get you if it's going to get you. Now, it, wear the mask if they say wear the mask, damn it. Wear it. <laughs> Just I mean, put, it gonna, put it on. Yeah. Put it on. <laughs> or I not. agree. I don't get it. Just put it on. Put it on, you know? Um, you know, and unfortunately, you know, not to, not to, go to gloom and doom, but I lost a cousin to COVID-19. She was a cancer patient and her immune system was very, very weak. And it just to go through that and experience the fact that you couldn't go to a funeral, you couldn't say goodbye. Um, that's something that's real. So, you know, I had a conversation with a white lady came into the, con the cafe and she apparently didn't agree with a lot of what she was hearing or seeing. And so she was very vocal about the fact that uh, this stuff isn't real. It's, it's made up. And I said, well, I beg to differ with you. I said, have you lost anybody to COVID-19? Have you experienced anyone who lost anybody? No, I haven't. So it's, it's just not real. And so I expressed to her, I said, well, I, I lost a family member. And so her, her comeback was, well, was it, did she have COVID and die from something else? Or did she die from COVID? And so I said, you know what? I said, I think this conversation is over. You know, and I and I bid her a good day. I said, okay, sweetie, I think this conversation is over because, you know, I'm not going to, I can't do battle with somebody who don't have a weapon. Hear your soul roll. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> That's what I would have said. I'm like, okay, all right. There's no need in talking with you, sweetheart. So, 
you get a lot of that. And there's a lot of people that share that, that sentiment. There's a lot of people that share that. And so, you know, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a long walk to the truth. For the record, the, um, the question that opened up this, this great discussion we're having was, how were your, 80, how were your 1980s? That, that was the question that, that was asked. But this is beautiful. I, I, let me tell you, this is the conversation that I needed to hear. Absolutely. And I'm super, Absolutely. super stoked that how are your 1980s afforded us this yeah, because yeah, I'm... Well, very, what, had happened, what, what had happened in the 80s is that uh, I was fantabulous. I was a great dancer. I was hot as could be. You know, yeah. I had all the boys in the yard. No. <laughs> so it was Michael Jackson, you said? Was it Prince yes. too, or, just, or just Michael? Say what the, the was it, was it Prince also or or just Michael? Oh no, Prince! Oh yes, all of them, all of them. I went to all the, you know, I had the latest styles, I had the latest dance steps down. Oh, I was everywhere. What were the dance steps in the eighties? Oh Jesus! The moonwalk had to have been one of them, right? The who? The moonwalk. Michael okay. Jackson moonwalk. Yeah, the moonwalk. Um, the worm. I could do it in the eighties, but I didn't see the need to. <laughs> that is the perfect answer that is the perfect answer to that question um career wise what were you doing yeah. before you opened up a restaurant okay so before i opened up the restaurant i was um in banking and i was a, a mortgage loan underwriter <laughs> what is dying that for? right now because i was dying slowly in the cubicle i was like i do not want to go out like this so you know Eventually, when it tanked, and what was it, in 2007, six, seven? Yeah. Seven, and uh, I, I could not find, I couldn't find any redeeming value in staying there. And so eventually I left in 2010, and I came home, made a fantabulous dinner for my husband, because I was getting ready to hit him with some news. So we <laughs> <laughs> what did you and make I, that night? Do you remember? No. Oh, no. I don't. Oh, it was just good. oh I, I, so all I was thinking is I was about to hear what bad news dinner was. And I was like, I'm going to use this recipe for all. Like, whatever that's coming out is going to be perfect. I should have said something just for, yeah, to, to color it up a little bit. But I can't remember. But it was good. I can tell you that. Because he so, said yes. So did, so, you, I, did you end that career knowing that the restaurant was your next step? Or did you just end that career saying, I, I don't know what's that career next. knowing that, that, I wanted, I, I'm, I have an entrepreneurial spirit and I knew that I could no longer work in corporate America. And I remember the day that I left, thank God, I left, I remember the manager and I, was, I said, I'd rather, this is so funny. I said, I'd rather work in a pie shop than work here. And ironically enough, look. <laughs> Right. So was it was it just a boring job, or were there or were there elements of that systemic racism that that you mentioned earlier that that was yes, paying on you? Yes, and stupidity, systemic racism, and stupidity. You know, the reasoning goes out the window sometimes when there's multi-level management and you are looked at as being on the bottom realm, or you know, you're an underwriter, so you have this, that, and the third, but you go to to think outside the box and they slap you back down, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, and I looked at stuff and people were doing things not for the customer, not for the, the employees. They were doing it for the corporation. And the corporation didn't necessarily care about, you know, what was going on. Making money. Like, yeah, they were, it's just about making money. And 
and I didn't see eye to eye with a lot of the operations that were going on there. You know, there I was, always in the office, trying to explain, well, listen, why did you do this and do that? And they told me, basically, you shouldn't worry about that. But I did. I cared about my customer. And so I wanted a place in the space that I could do that and be that. And the only way I could do that and be that was be on my own. So that's where the dinner came from. And I said, honey, I said, I want to, uh, <laughs> I, want to I want to leave the cushion job the money, and I want to bake cakes. And he was like, you want to do what? I said, I want to bake cakes. I said, I want to try my hand at this restaurant. Or actually, catering is where I wanted to start. And so I said, if you give me a year, just give me a year, and if it doesn't work, I'll go back. And that was in 2010, and I never went back. Congratulations on that. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. They wouldn't want me anyway. I'm, I'm no good no more. <laughs> I doubt that. But she... She's good in a restaurant, and <laughs> I think that we have benefited from the I'd like to bake cake, Scott, and I'm sorry to say that you need to get your butt out there because it's pretty tasty to go. Do you have a, a plan to reopen the dining room yet, or is that just going to you're just gonna wait? So a couple of the restaurants and I, we all kind of check in on one another and, and see how each other are doing, and so the running joke for me was... I'm not opening back up until we don't have to wear masks anymore. <laughs> and they were like, well, Michelle, that might be a long time. I said, well, you know, and as you know, I have a small cafe. And if I operate at 50%, I might as well just get it to go. That would be 12 to 15 people. Right. Sure. So yeah. how, how can the folks who are listening right now support, support you and support the restaurant? What's, what are the best oh, things to do? The best thing to do is come eat. <laughs> Come and eat. What are your days and your hours, and how do people? All right. And so you can. All right. So my Facebook page is um, Mama Shell's Cafe, and at Mama Shell's is my uh, Instagram page. You can reach us at eight zero four nine one two one six four four. We do full service catering, and our hours are Tuesday through. Now these are temporary hours. We're going to go full time. Uh, over in the next couple of weeks, but Tuesday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., Friday, Saturday, 11 to 8, and Sunday, 12 to 5. So date night, I can get some soul rolls along with Absolutely. some you magic fried fish. Yes. Magic fried fish. Magic. <laughs> yes, you can. Thank I love you. it. I love Is there it. anything else you wanted uh, our audience to know about you or about, about your restaurant? Uh, yes, it is. It's, it's packed with love. Come ready to get loved on and uh, great atmosphere. We play jazz. It's nice and easy. You can relax while you're waiting for your food to go. <laughs> and uh, there's always a smile and there's always somebody that uh, is, is, is ready for a good conversation. So come on through and we'd love to have you. I want to have you on the I'm podcast so, again because I, I want to learn more about Evelyn and, and your mother. Um, but that might, I would love for you to know. Be for a second podcast. What, what, what's your mom's name? My mother's name is jo was Geraldine, and she lived to be 92. Oof. And uh, my grandmother that was here in Petersburg lived to be 99. Yeah, we last a long time. The men die off quick, but, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get rid of them quick, but we last a long time. 
<laughs> we'll hear yeah. more about them on on a future podcast. I hope. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. You're listening to Michelle Wilson of Mama Cells Cafe, and this is Edith Virginia. There you go. Thank you, sweetie. This episode of Eat It Virginia. Eat It Virginia. Really? This episode of Eat It Virginia. No! Oh, God, no.